did I just see a ghost? Ah, ah, ah. You know the blue people with the uh, tails? Hey, good game, shooter. We transition from to Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, starts now. Hello. From the studio in Nitro, West Virginia, this is Unreasonable Doubt. It's a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, part of the Basketball Podcast Network. I'm Josh Witt, and this is Episode 6, Eastern Kentucky. Always great to have heartburn against a directional school, you know? Directional Kentucky. West Virginia was a 16-point favorite going into this game. Ken Pomeroy's computer gave the... Colonials? Is that what they're called? The Colonels? One of those. It's either Colonels or Colonials. Their jerseys had a big E on them. So I can I didn't see any mascot reference. But Kim Pomeroy's computer gave Eastern Kentucky an 8% chance of winning this game. But here's what the stats also said about Eastern Kentucky. They shoot a ton of threes. Guess what West Virginia at times, has struggled against giving up threes. And so this team, not that they were the best in the country at percentage, but they shoot a ton of them. Half of their points come from three-pointers. And for some reason, I couldn't see it tonight, but opponents had shot terrible from three. So... You add that equation, how does Eastern Kentucky only have an 8% chance of winning the game, right? So what happened? Eastern Kentucky shot 29 threes, and they made 14 of them. The Marshall transfer was killing us. Wide open step in threes. You can get that shot against WVU. Six games into the season, that shot's available. And if you make them, you're going to give yourself a chance. And Eastern Kentucky made 14 of them. I mean, before the Zulls could melt any, it was 9-0 Eastern Kentucky in this game. And they're a pressing team. So Eastern Kentucky, a pressing team. West Virginia did turn them over pretty decent. I think they turned them over around 17 times. And so Huggins knows going into this game, what Eastern Kentucky is going to do, know that they are a pressing team. And so Bob Huggins, great basketball coach, may have heard fourth all-time on the list of wins for Division I coach. And so his plan, I think it's a solid plan that Huggins had against Eastern Kentucky. Eastern Kentucky is going to press. We're going to be able to break the press. And when we do, instead of McNeil being in the backcourt, let's have Sean ready to go in the corner. We break the press. We're going to have numbers. Let's throw it to Sean. He's going to be wide open. And let's see how we do with that. I want Sean McNeil in the corner wide open, right? That was the Huggins game plan. Nobody would fault him for that game plan. That's a solid game plan. What happened? Uh, Sean McNeil went one for eight from three. He's been pretty good this season from three. This game, wide open shots, not very good. So is that 
cooling off after having a great second half against Clemson, maybe. Too much turkey, who's to say? He went one for eight. Jalen Bridges, he got open looks from three. He went 0 for four from behind the arc. So West Virginia, similar to Eastern Kentucky, they shot a ton of threes. Problem, West Virginia only made five. So the stats, <laughs> the Eastern Kentucky stats going into this game, they played out. They made a ton of threes. Their opponent did not make a ton of threes. And so how does West Virginia win this game? Uh, they barely did. Down double digits in the first half, close all second half. But West Virginia was down most of this game. It took a couple of timely steals and a Malik Curry takeover. Malik Curry with the takeover late. And West Virginia gets an 80-77 to win. So how did West Virginia win? You look at the box score, starters besides Taz shot six for 25. So I've told you, the other team made a ton of threes. West Virginia did not. And the starters besides Taz Sherman went six for 25. So they won because Taz Sherman was great. Like Taz, remember second half Taz last year? We had second half Taz tonight. Another career high for Taz, 28 points. He had 18 of his 28 in the second half. And luckily, he started out the gate really slow from the three-point line, not making a high percentage. Tonight, four for seven. Needed all of those. And Taz is doing it all in this game, and we needed Taz Sherman to do it all. Led the team in scoring, led the team in assists, got four rebounds, Huggins wants the ball in his hands in the backcourt to break the press. Like it was Taz Sherman making the open pass when the double team was coming. He really anchored the team tonight. And we needed we needed a career night. This is a sentence that's true. West Virginia needed a career night from Taz Sherman to beat Eastern Kentucky with love and respect to Eastern Kentucky. I told you about Malik Curry. We needed Malik Curry to be great. And he was great tonight. He had a season high 16 points. That play that I liked that they were running against Pitt. He was doing that tonight. Huggins was calling uh, Malik Curry's number and Malik Curry was scoring, scored the last three field goals for West Virginia, two of them at the rim. Like, he's a really good finisher. And it's something that really West Virginia hasn't had, a guy that can get to the rim consistently. And that's what Malik Curry does. Like, he airballed a three. He's not, an out, he's not a perimeter shooter, but he's a guy with a head of steam, get to the basket, get fouled. He went to the foul line. And But just his finishing was really good tonight. And we needed all of his finishes, right? So Malik Curry, great. And the other guy, you know the, you know the term unsung hero? Let's just call Gabe a sung hero. He's a sung hero. He's not going unsung. I feel like praises are being sung properly for Gabe Osaboyan. And tonight... He contributed 
not on the box score and on the box score. He had eight points. He had five offensive rebounds, kept possessions alive. He took some charges. One time he took a charge with his arm. The rare... The rare guy run into his arm, Gabe fell down, got the charge. So that's how good he is at taking charges. He can do it with his arm. Uh, Gabe Ozeboyan was bringing the ball up the court. Like they were denying the guards. And so Gabe was getting the ball 80 feet away and confidently dribbling it over half court to get into offense. Gabe Osaboyan doing it all. <laughs> it was really something. And again, we needed Gabe Osaboyan to bring the ball down a few times to get the win over Eastern Kentucky. And that guy, I know this, the guy that was calling Gabe Mr. Mountaineer, he was actually in Brooklyn calling another game. But I know somebody was sending him the clips of Gabe Osaboyan tonight from ESPN Plus. And he, that guy couldn't figure out how to work Gabe Osaboyan into a Iowa State Memphis game. So during the commercials, or maybe even turned off the mic during the broadcast and was muttering to himself, Mr. Mountaineer. He's really devoted to making this a thing and so in another state that play-by-play guy was muttering Mr. Mountaineer because Gabe was getting it done tonight so those three guys were the difference I also have to give a quick shout out to Polly Polycap great energy when Polly was in the game but he had a couple of great blocks took a charge made his free throws except the one that he airballed We don't have to spend a lot of time on that, but he made his free throws except for that one. And so West Virginia wins a close game. I mean, Eastern Kentucky is not bottom of the barrel, right? They're a good – I had to look this up. I didn't know that they were an an Atlantic Sun team. In my mind, Eastern Kentucky, that's Ohio Valley Conference, and they were last year. But for some reason, realignment. They moved to the Atlantic Stun, uh, Stun, the Atlantic Sun. I guess that's a step up. I'm not sure. I don't know what that is, but they're in a different conference. Last year, when they were in the Ohio Valley, they almost made it to the NCAA tournament. They lost by three to Moorhead State in their tournament final. So West Virginia might have ended up playing Eastern Kentucky last year in the tournament instead of Moorhead State. Listen, I told you the math. I told you all the numbers. West Virginia is going to struggle with any team that makes 14 threes in a game. And unfortunately, West Virginia's defense is such that a team, it's in the cards for them to make 14 threes. And so six games in the books, three out of the six games, WVU has given up 10 or more made threes. I hope that's something that West Virginia nips in the bud because if that keeps happening, if teams consistently make 10 plus threes against WVU and we get into conference play, uh, that's a problem. So much gnashing of teeth by fans, by Huggins, by the players. 
That's got to get better, right? I hope so. But a win's a win. Random thoughts coming up. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. Not you, curling. Ice hockey. New customers bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. As long as that red lamp comes on and like the, you know, however they do it, you win $100 if either team scores a goal. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. So here's what you need to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Random thoughts for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. We're only six games into the season, but I want to break out a game. I don't think I've played before on this podcast, but I want to play it today. It's a game called Am I Worried? I'm going to ask myself a question, and the question is going to start with, am I worried? And the answer is going to be yes or no. Let's play the game, am I worried? Let's start with, am I worried about Kedrian Johnson? The answer is yes. (laughs) I am concerned. I am worried about Kedrian Johnson. I was singing his praises a few games ago, like his whirling dervish crazy energy we can't get up the 10 if we can't like start turning when we're turning up the volume we're just starting to turn up the volume and somebody slaps your hand away from the dial that's what's happening with Kedrian Johnson he he can't stay on the floor he starts the game he gets two quick fouls like he's it's almost like an automatic two fouls before the first tv timeout And so he gets back in in the second half, third foul. He had four fouls tonight. And what's more concerning is that they're all like 50 feet from the basket. (laughs) Like Kedia Johnson is getting ticky-tack fouls when the other team's not even in their offensive set yet. And Kedia Johnson, he's aggressive. I get it. He's got to figure out a way to be aggressive and not have four fouls at half court. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's going to foul. I get it. And I see improvement in in his offensive game. He's driving the ball well. I think his overall offense is better. He's just not showing that a lot because he can't stay on the floor. He's a starter that can't stay on the floor. And we've seen that before with Huggins teams. And we've seen that from the point guard position. Shout out to Jordan McCabe. 
I want Kedrian Johnson on the floor. The only way he can be on the floor is by not <laughs> not getting fouls on the other end of the court. You know what I mean? I'm worried about Kedrian Johnson. Next, next, am I worried? Am I worried about Isaiah Cottrell? Uh, no. My answer is no. No, he only played nine minutes tonight. So his playing time is trending downward the last few games. Tonight, there was a situation where he was at the rim as someone for Eastern Kentucky was driving. And my man Isaiah had his hands all the way down to his sides, both hands on both sides of him, down. If jersey shorts had pockets, like if those, if those gold shorts had pockets, his hands would be in his pockets, 100%. And the problem with that is that Isaiah is a very tall guy. He's six foot 10. He's seven foot three with the hair. And then if he sticks his arms up in the air, he's gigantic. And so he doesn't have his hands up. Guess what? The guy from Eastern Kentucky scored over him. Because again, like, not once, I, I guarantee that Bob Huggins has never taught to play defense with your hands in your pockets. <laughs> if that's a drill that they practice where they actually wear shorts with pockets and Huggins have them play defense with their hands in their pockets to try to get deflections and stuff with that, with the idea being <laughs> like if they can do that in practice – then they can use their hands in the game and get so many deflections. If Huggins is doing that, my apologies. And then it's just a matter of, hey, we're not in practice, Isaiah. Get your hands up or out and not straight down like we do in practice. You know what I mean? If that's happening, that's on me. I don't think that's happening. And he's got to have his hands anywhere except for where they were on that play. So. Those are all things that happening, but we've got to remember he, and I guess I'll stop saying this. This is almost turning into the, did you know Deuce McBride played quarterback at high school? Isaiah, he, he's coming off a terrible injury. <laughs> did you hear? He's back sooner than expected. He only played 10 games last season. His shot it looks silky. Like Huggins was talking about he might be the third best shooter on the team. That that shot is silky. So because he's 16 games into his college career, I am not worried about Isaiah Cottrell. Am I worried about West Virginia's three-point shooting? No. I am not worried about WVU's three-point shooting. They're at 30% so far this season, which is not good. I told you Malik Curry shot an air ball from three. Gabe took a three a couple of games ago. But besides the night, Jalen Bridges has been fine. He's been good from three. And besides tonight, Sean McNeil has been fine. And I think his three-point percentage will improve, and he's going to take a bunch more threes this season. And Taz Sherman, I told you, he started off cold this season. 
had a good night tonight, and I think he's going to continue to prove he's not a below 30% three-point shooter. That's not Taz Sherman. So he's going to improve. Those are the guys that shoot threes. And so I think it's going to get better. Are they going to shoot as well as they did last season? That was like one of the best seasons for a Bob Huggins WVU team from three ever. So I don't think they're going to get to that level, but they're better than 30%. And so even going into conference play, that's going to get better. Feel good about that. And me talking about this is not jinxing how they're going to do in the future from three, right? My words on this podcast has nothing to do with the future of WVU's basketball season. We all agree, right? Next, am I worried? Am I worried about WVU's free throw shooting? I had to think about this one, but my answer is no. I'm not worried. Listen, they were 19 for 31 tonight, 65% for the season so far. 65% from the line, not good. Some would argue bad. Has Huggins had bad free throw shooting teams in the past? Absolutely. Is this one of those teams? Maybe. But let's look at who's getting to the line. Top three guys getting to the line. Taz Sherman, Malik Curry, Kedrian Johnson. Taz is doing great. He missed a few free throws tonight. But before that, like, he's an 80, high 80s percent free throw shooter. He's not, he's going to be that. He's going to be fine. Malik Curry, he's 65% so far this season. He is getting to the line. At Old Dominion, he averaged 85% from the line. So, you know, these stats at like how do they transfer over from playing in Conference USA versus playing in the Big 12? I feel like free throw percentage shouldn't change that much. You know what I mean? That's a transferable skill. You shouldn't see that much difference. And so Curry's at 65%. He's going to get better. Averages say that he's going to get better. And then Kedrian Johnson is the is the guy that shot the third most free throws for this team, which I had to double check to make sure that was true. It is. And Kedrian's made less than half of his free throws. So that's not good. That's worse than Shaq. He was 61% last season. So I think that's going to improve some. We know who the bad free throw shooters are on this team. And I'm not going to say their names. You know their names. And those guys aren't going to shoot a ton of free throws. The guys that are getting to the line are going to be Taz and Malik. And I think Malik's going to get better. Sure, they might lose a game or two this season because of poor free throw shooting. Tonight was almost one of those nights. If if West Virginia would would have lost, you would have pointed the free throws. But I think they're going to win a couple of games because of good free throw shooting. Especially if the guys like Taz and Malik are getting to the line and consistently, then that's a good thing for WVU. And I think that's going to be a good thing for a couple of of their games this year. So I am not worried about WVU's free throw shooting. And so the final, am I worried? Am I worried about WVU's rebounding and defense? I did not have to think about this one. I am absolutely worried about their rebounding and defense. What do you think of with Bob Huggins? Do you think offense or defense? You think defense. Do you think 
Do you think rebounding with Bob Huggins, it's almost synonymous. And this is out of conference play. Like theoretically, it's going to get harder. And in four games, West Virginia has given up 58% from the field, 55% from the field, 53% from the field. Eastern Kentucky almost shot 50% tonight. Four out of six games, WVU has lost the field goal percentage battle. West Virginia has been out-rebounded three out of the six games. And we're not talking Baylor here. We're talking (laughs) they got Eastern Kentucky by one. They got out-rebounded by Oakland. They got out-rebounded by Marquette. And guess what? Big 12 conference play? And they're, you know, we're early in the season, but three teams in the Big 12, Texas Tech, which is number one in the country, Baylor, TCU, those three teams are top 20 in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. So West Virginia's struggling with Eastern Kentucky, and they're struggling with Elon, right? So Texas Tech, that's not going to be a good thing. Baylor, not a good thing. So how is West Virginia 5-1? and one? Well, they've overcome that. They're back to number one in the country in defensive turnover percentage. So Huggins likes to play a math game. And typically the math game is if I turn you over and I get a lot of offensive rebounds, then I can shoot way worse than you. But if I shoot it 10, 15 more times than you, then the math is uh, we're going to have more points. Like that's the Huggins equation historically, right? So take rebounds out of the equation. And now you're just saying, if I turn you over, then you don't get to shoot the ball. We shoot more. We can shoot poorer and still beat you. Right? Follow me on the math. But guess what? The the especially when you get into the conference play, I'm going out on a limb here. West Virginia is not going to finish the season number one in, in defensive turnover percentage. I don't think that's sustainable. And so if that's not sustainable, then and and we all agreed that the rebounding and defense is not going to have a miraculous turnaround, right? It's got to improve a little bit. And they can because a bunch of new guys, the guys will get better, more comfortable around each other. Huggins is going to keep <laughs> keep stressing rebounding. You know he will. But that's got to improve some because if, if West Virginia, not that they come down to earth, but the, but the turnovers decrease, then the math equation becomes – You all shoot better than us, but we don't get offensive rebounds and we don't turn you over very much. Like that math equation, that's not (laughs) – that is not a good math problem for WVU. The math is not on WVU's side if those things don't improve. So overall, am I worried? Well, I'm just worried about life in general. You know, I'm a worrier. Sports worry. 
outside of sports worry. You know what I mean? Just a worrier. But in this game, more not worried than worried for what that's worth. Final thoughts coming up. Since 1998, Stamps.com has been an indispensable tool for nearly 1 million businesses. Stamps.com brings the services of the U.S. Postal Service and UPS shipping right to your computer. Whether you're an office sending invoices, a side hustle Etsy shop, or a full-blown warehouse shipping out orders, Stamps.com will make your life easier. All you need is a computer and standard printer. No special supplies or equipment. Within minutes, you're up and running, printing official postage for any letter, any package, anywhere you want to send. And you'll get exclusive discounts on postage and shipping from USPS and UPS. Once your mail is ready, just schedule a pickup or drop it off. No traffic, no lines. Cut the confusion out of shipping. With Stamps.com's new Rate Advisor tool, you can compare shipping rates and timelines to easily find the best option. Save time and money with Stamps.com. There's no risk. And with my promo code POD, P-O-D, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in POD. That's Stamps.com, promo code POD. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. Final thoughts for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. The next game for WVU is Tuesday, November 30th, 7 p.m. ESPN Plus in the Coliseum versus another Atlantic Sun team. The Bellarmine Knights? Bellarmine? Bellarmine? Bellarmine. The Bellarmine Knights. That's a college in Louisville, Kentucky. This is their second season in Division I basketball, and they're not too shabby, having been just two seasons in Division I, not even two full seasons. This is their second. Yes, they're 1-5, but they've played a gauntlet of a schedule so far. They've played Purdue. They've played Gonzaga. They've played Ookla. They've played St. Mary's. So a lot of teams would be 1-5 and five if they played those four teams. From what I can tell for Bellarmini is that they're good at offense and they're bad at defense. And last year, they were really good from three. This season, they've started cold from three. But guess what? I predict they're going to shoot plenty of threes against WVU. Some of them are going to be open, as we know. And they are the opposite as far as tempo to Eastern Kentucky. They run offense. They don't press. And... This is a game where West Virginia will be heavily favored, and we'll see what happens. Bellarmine. Bellarmine? Which is better, Bellarmine or Bellarmine? I'm ignorant. I'm not making fun of the name of that school. I just I don't know how to say it. This is a joke on my knowledge of Bellarmine. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. 
Listen on all the platforms or just pick one. Apple Podcasts is fine. Google Podcasts is fine. I mean, they're great. All of them are great, including CastBox. Subscribe to the podcast. If that doesn't exist anymore, and I don't think it does, hit the follow button. That helps this podcast. Until next time, I'm Josh Witt. This has been Unreasonable Doubt WVU for the 2021-2022 season. They're 5-1. and one. 